Well, let's begin with uh, your sharing with you the prayer list. What I would ask you to do is while we share and read this prayer list, that the default attitude of your heart be clear. And rather than just reading the list, kind of blandly, pray for me. I think you'll read it once again. I'll read it in the prayer list. But I hope that if the Holy Spirit punctuate something about in the name personally. I'm thinking, Gail had a name, but how many people are ready here? Did Gail used to be the pastor? I don't know if Gail was the church in the church, but I didn't know that. If he's been, I think he's just saying that. Well, let's just begin. In the hospital, set to aside, not stable, but it's all that. Special concerns, do a lot of danger in the house. Randy Stitt, Gary Anderson, Lisa Tobit, Mary Robinson, T.H. Conway, Ruth Palmer, Jimmy Hargett, Thank you. 
of the poor had the face of an eagle. A man and an eagle and an ox and a lion. Now, these four gospels are represented by these four characteristics. The characteristics of a lion, the king of Judah. Representing the tribe of Judah, it was the kingdom of The tribe of Judah was the tribe out of which David came. And we'll recognize that, that Matthew is represented in this Ezekiel passage by the, by the line. Now, uh, these four gospels I want to highlight are not biographies. If they are biographies, they fail at their intent. I love biographies. For half a century, I give myself a Christmas present every year of a biography. A few weeks ago, I'm on the board of the United States, I took them, I think it was 45 biographies that I put down there that over the years I have collected. Now, it's interesting, I have four biographies of one man, Charles I have one biography that deals with nothing but the downgrade controversy in Charles Hansford's life from the Baptist denomination to John Woodward, and he was one of the few men that stood for the word of God. I have one biography that's written just for that man. I have another biography written by a friend of mine that's simply about his leadership style. How Spurgeon led. And then I've got a fourth brief, kind of simplified. Now, you might ask the question, why four biographies on one man? Well, the answer is the same reason we have four biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have them because each biography gives us an insight into the life of Jesus. And each biography is written with a purpose in mind, which defines and decides what sections of Jesus' life and ministry they draw into that biography. You see, it's amazing that Matthew includes material that Mark does not include. Luke includes material that Matthew does not include. John includes 92% of his material that none of the Gospels include. How do we explain that? Well, we explain it because all four Gospels writers are writing with a specific purpose in mind. So, let me just say that they are not biographers, so we need not spend too much time trying to make four men agree who have never uh, so when we talk about a harmony of the gospel, and, and that's what bothered me when I was uh, in college and we were studying the gospels, and our textbook was called The Harmony of the Gospel. And this whole book was written with the purpose of trying to take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John 
has harmonized them into one book. And I struggled with that, even as I read it. And it didn't seem right to me. And the more I've studied through the years, the more I've seen that the, the Gospels were not written to be harmonized. Now, one Gospel can help confirm some of the other Gospels in that they give a twofold witness of certain accounts. But that's not why God gave us four Gospels. God gave us four Gospels to give us a full or beautiful view of His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever looked through a kaleidoscope? Five boy, they used to be popular, all the beautiful different colors. Well, the four Gospels are like looking at Jesus through a kaleidoscope. As we look through Matthew, we see the King of Jesus, the King of the Jews. As we look at Mark, we see the servant Jesus who came not to be not to be served, but to serve, Mark 10, 45. When we look at Luke, we see the perfect man, the son of man. That term is Jesus' favorite term to refer to himself. And so Luke draws his material to enhance the fact that Jesus is being presented as the perfect man. And then you have John, the evil, who gives us this universal aspect of Jesus. For God so loved, not the Jew, as Matthew said, God so loved, not the Roman, like Mark says, God so loved, not the Greek, like Luke says, but God so loved, what, sir? The world. Now, you see, Matthew is written for a Jewish audience. Every Matthew has more Old Testament quotes than all the other Gospels put together. In the Gospel of Matthew, you will hear over and over again this word, and the Scripture was fulfilled, and the Scripture was fulfilled, and the Scripture was fulfilled. Whenever Matthew makes a reference to a Jewish ceremony, or a Jewish practice, he never defines it. He never says, now this means such and this means that. But Luke doesn't. The other Gospels, when they mention Passover, they describe to their audience what that means. Well, if that was written to a Jewish audience, he wouldn't have had to describe it. So these are four Gospels. They weren't written to confirm each other, but they did. They weren't written to fill up space. They were written to enhance the sheer interest in the gospel itself. And they were written to give us a broader and deeper picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's amazing. Had four uninspired writers independently written four gospels, uninspired, what would you expect? You would expect that there would be all kinds of inconsistencies, all kinds of contradictions, right? Four independent, uninspired writers. If four writers colluded to write the story, in other words, they got together and said, 
we're going to combine and together the four of us are going to write a story of Jesus. What we do? You would expect that they would iron out every even possible piece of it. So it would be falsely false. They wouldn't have any thoughts at all because they believe the truth. So what we have in the four Gospels are human beings. We don't have uninspired writers independently writing, so we have four books that are filled with contradictions and inconsistencies. We don't have four books that are so neatly woven together that it's, it's so obvious that they've been in collusion in putting it together. But what we have is the natural flow of four individuals, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who each one have a purpose in writing about Jesus. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience to present Jesus as their king and Messiah. That's why when he gives the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, and let's turn there, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in uh, verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Genealogy was very, very important to Jesus. Who was your grandfather? Who was your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather? To the Jews, that meant everything. So when Matthew sets out to write a genealogy of Jesus, who does he go back to? He traces the genealogy of Jesus royally back to David. Racially, back to Abraham. Are you with me? Now that's important. He's starting off with the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David. That's important to him. Especially when King David was the greatest king ever in the history of the Jews. And he's writing this book to present to them and introduce them to an even greater king, King Jesus. So he traces, now look at this, he traces the genealogy back to Abraham and David's family. Now, you're going to see a difference when it comes to this. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm going fast. You listen fast, I'll talk fast. But Luke is presenting Jesus as the perfect example. And so when he does the genealogy, guess where he places it back to? Back to David. But he's not presenting Jesus as the perfect Not to Abraham, because he's not presenting the lineage, the you know, curious lineage to the Jews. He places him back and if you'll look in Luke's gospel, when he does the genealogy, he goes all the way back to Adam. Why? Because Adam was the perfect man God created, and Luke is presenting Jesus as the perfect man. And so, the selection of material is dependent on the purpose of their writing. Does that make sense to you? I, I hope that does. Now, the interesting thing about Mark, remember what I told you Mark, uh, Mark means 
Mark is presented in the Ezekiel verse by the apostles. Matthew by the law. Mark by the apostles. Now, what was the law? He's preparing a servant. Jesus would be presented in the gospel of Mark and his servant. The two verses in Mark and Mark in the same time. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. What is Mark talking about? If you go to Grace, Mark begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. He doesn't even mention the ministry. He doesn't even mention a few thousand people. Why? Who cares about the few thousand people? It is if you're a king. It is if you're a perfect man. But it's not if you are a servant. Now, one other thing about Mark that I'm going to point out is that in Mark's gospel, it's apparently written to other writers, to a Roman audience. John Mark is the ideal one to write about a servant because he was a servant. John was a servant to Jesus. John Mark was a servant to Christ. So it's so natural for him to have as the focus of his gospel the fact that Jesus was a servant. Now, this is interesting also. I think Matthew uses the word fulfill. While he's writing about Jesus, Jesus fulfilled his own promises. So the word fulfilled is one of the key words in the gospel of Matthew. He said that. Do you know it's only Jesus?
Thank you for that. 